because you'll think to yourself, well, I'm not buying any more land until I sell this one. Well, there's a six to eight week lag time. So you don't want to be a chicken company with no chicken. Never stop mailing. Hello and welcome to another episode of Get Your Fill, Financial Independence and Long Life, where we explore ways to achieve those two goals. And we invite people on to help us who know lots of stuff that we don't know. So that's why I'm really psyched that we have Mark Podulski with us today, because he's the owner of Frontier Properties, which is a land investment company. You know, we haven't talked about land. We've talked about bigger, more expensive stuff, but land is such a cool, and this, I think it's perfect market for that. So he's also known as the land geek perfect guy for us today. And he is widely considered the country's most trusted and foremost authority on buying and selling raw, undeveloped land within the United States. Since 2001, Mark has completed over 6,000 raw land deals with an average return on investment. Okay, ready for this? Over 300% on cash purchases and over 1,000% on land deals that he financed. What? Yeah. Awesome. He's also the host of one of the top rated podcasts out there in the investing category on iTunes aptly named the art of passive income model, which passive income is where it's at. So get set to hear how much simpler investing in raw land is than traditional real estate. Mark, thank you so much for being with us today. Christine McCarran, thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate it. It's so awesome that you're here, but let's, so before I jump into like totally sucking all your information for my own personal needs. Um, let's talk about how you got started with this. Is this, is this always your plan? Is this always your thing? Like right out of, you know, high school, you're like, right, I got to start investing in land. No, not at all. So if we rewind the tape to 2000, I was a miserable micromanaged 45 minute commute to work and back investment banker specializing in mergers and acquisitions with private equity groups. And Christine, it got so bad for me. I wouldn't get the Sunday blues anticipating Monday coming around. I'd have the Friday blues anticipating the weekend going by really fast and having to be back at work on Monday. That's a really so, stressful field. It's terrible. And so my firm hires this guy and he's telling me that as a side hustle, he's buying up raw land, pennies on the dollar. He's flipping them online and he's making a 300% return on his investment. And Christine, I'm looking at companies all day long. And a great company, great, has 15% EBITDA margins or free cash flow. Average companies, 10%. Yeah. I'm looking at companies all day long, less than 10%. So, of course, I don't believe him. So I've got three, <laughs> I've got three grand saved up for car repairs. I go to New Mexico with them. I do exactly what he tells me to do. I buy 10 half-acre parcels, an average price of $300 each. I flip them online, and they all sell for an average price of $1,200 each. It worked. So I took all that money and went to another, and I'm going to auctions, by the way, I'm going to tax deed auctions. And, uh, and this is 2000. So I'm going, I go to another one in Arizona and you know, there's no one in the room. So I'm buying up lots and acreage for like nothing. I made over $90,000 on that one auction. So I go to my wife and she's pregnant at the time. I said, honey, I'm going to quit my job and become a full-time land investor. And she's, she's like, like, are you nuts? <laughs> she's like, absolutely not. So I said, okay, okay. So it took me 18 months for the land investing income to exceed the investment banking income. And then I quit and I've been doing it full-time ever since. Awesome. That is so amazing. And it's interesting that you bring up Arizona because that's actually a place that I've been looking at 
And again, I'm like, okay, what, you know, what's the story? Why are these lands, why are these lots selling so cheap? I'm seeing like parcels that are selling for, you know, a couple thousand dollars an acre or not even, you know, like, oh, here's this 30 acre parcel for $5,000. I'm like, well, what's that about? And so I, you know, quickly discover that you have to like dig down 300 feet for, a, <laughs> you know, for a well or whatever. But I mean, how are you, I guess, first, like discovering where is a sort of an untapped place? Because here, I mean, we just sold, I just saw an acre parcel with a house that needs to be torn down for $250,000. So obviously Boston area is not where you're <laughs> going to be okay, doing Okay, so these. Boston's, not, I'm not buying in Boston. Okay, so <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start from the very beginning. I'm going to walk you step by step through exactly what I do. Awesome. And then and then we'll kind of answer just like more technical questions from there. Okay. Okay. So, Christine, you're in Boston, right? Yeah. Okay. So, I'm going to assume that you own five acres of raw land in Arizona. Okay. But you owe $200 in back taxes. So, you're advertising two important things to me. Number one, you have no emotional attachment to the raw land. You're right. in Massachusetts. Property is in Arizona. And number two, you're distressed financially in some weird way because we don't pay for things like our property taxes. We don't value them in the same way. As a result, the county treasurer keeps sending you notices saying, Christine, if you don't pay your property taxes, you're going to lose that property to a tax deed or a tax lien investor. So all I'm going to do is look at the comparable sales on your five-acre parcel for the last 12 to 18 months. I'm going to take the lowest comparable sale. Let's say it's $10,000. I'm going to divide by four. That's going to get me what Warren Buffett would call a 300% margin of safety. So I'm going to send you an actual offer for $2,500. Now you accept it. Why? Because for you, $2,500 is better than nothing. Right. In reality, three to 5% of people will accept my quote unquote top dollar deal, but you accept it. Now, once you accept it, I have to go through due diligence or in-depth research. I have to confirm you still own the property. I have to confirm back taxes are only $200. I have to make sure there's been no breaks in the chain of title. There's no liens or encumbrances. And all this can be done very easily. I can either outsource it to my team in the Philippines. They're connected to an American title company. costs about 11 bucks. Or if it's $5,000 or more, I won't take any title risk. And I'll close through, traditionally through an American title company. But while my team is doing their due diligence, I'm going to get aerial maps, plat maps, satellite maps, GIS maps, everything that my buyer is going to want to know as well. So I'm creating my marketing package at the exact same time I'm doing my due diligence. I want to know what's compelling about the property. What, what's planning and zoning? What are the restrictions? So I have this whole long checklist. It all checks out. I buy the property from you for $2,500. You get a check for $2,300. Treasure gets a check for $200. I own it free and clear. And now, Christine, I'm going to sell it 30 days or less and make a cash flow like a rental home. So, Christine, I have a built-in best buyer. Do you know who it is? No. <laughs> the neighbors. The neighbors. So, right. I'll send out neighbor letters saying, hey, here's your opportunity. Protect your privacy. Protect your views. Know your neighbor. Oftentimes, the neighbors will buy. Now, if they pass, I'll go to my buyer's list. My buyer's list passes. I'll go to a little website you may have heard of. It's called Craigslist. It's the 15th most trafficked website in the United States. I'll go to one I know you've heard of called Meta or Facebook, buy, sell groups in the marketplace. And then I'll go to the lands, landmoto.com, landandfarm.com, landsofamerica.com, landflip.com, landhub.com. These are platforms where people buy and sell raw land. But the secret is in the pricing. 
So all I'm going to ask for is a $2,500 down payment for someone to control this five acre parcel. And then I'll make it a car payment. Let's say $297 a month at 9% interest over the next 84 months. So it's a one-time sale to get my money out on the down payment. I could go six to 10 months out. And now I'm getting $297 a month of passive income at 9% interest over the next 84 months. Christine, no renters, no rehabs, no renovations, no rodents. And because I'm not dealing with a tenant, I'm exempt from Dodd-Frank, RESPA, and the SAFE Act, all this owner's real estate legislation. So it's a simple game. Can I create enough land notes where my passive income exceeds my fixed expenses? And not working because I want to, not because I have to. Absolutely. And that's the, that's the beauty of it. It's so interesting because I, the very first person I interviewed for the podcast was Tyler chef. And he, he's the, you know, the cash flow guy, he's got his thing. And he, that's basically what he said, you know, like I'll, I just figure out how to make a hundred dollars. And then I just keep doing that as many times as I need to do it in order to make, you know, as much money as I want every month. And that's exactly what you're doing rather than taking the full, whatever, 10 grand or whatever. And, and just trying to do something with it. You're just allowing this person to just keep, you know, creating this passive income stream. And it's just a machine, right? It just becomes a machine. Exactly. It's a, it's a passive income machine. And what's amazing about it today, it's not like this when I started, it's 90% automated. Software on the front end, inexpensive virtual assistants throughout the world, and software on the back end. So once you've scaled it, sky's the limit. You can build this as big or as small as you want. Now, are there certain areas that are easier to do this in or more ripe for this type of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Christine, let's let's just be honest, right? No one wakes up, thinks to themselves, boy, I like some raw land today in Iowa, unless <laughs> you live in Iowa, right? So we want to focus on Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico, Texas, Colorado, California, maybe a little bit in the Northwest, Oregon, Washington, and Florida. These are fast growing states. These are the sunshine states. This is where you're going to get your biggest buyer pool. It's not to say that we can't do deals in other places, but for example, like Boston, if I've got an infill lot in Boston, I'm not selling it to you for 25, 30 cents a dollar. I'm going the biggest, baddest land broker in town. I'm selling that bad boy 110 cents on the dollar. Yeah. Right. So there's going to be certain areas where it won't work. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, obviously, like you're saying, you know, you're, you're choosing states where there is a lot of raw land, right? So that, right. and, and people buy stuff and just don't either they inherit it or whatever. Right. I mean, some of these people, do you ever find people who didn't even realize that they had this land? Right? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's, it's such an inefficient market. It's so weird because people don't use it. They're paying property taxes. They don't know they have it. They forgot about it. It'd be it'll literally be like if I offered you right now, 25, 30 cents of the dollar for everything in your garage, you're not using. Right. right? You're like, Oh my yeah, gosh, so I'll take, take it. it. Take exactly. it. Right. Please clean my garage. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And is there, I mean, what's your sort of success rate? I, I don't even mean like that. I, I really mean like as far as being able to get the right person, because I send mailings, right? Just like written in mailings as part of being a real estate agent. And, and like half the time, not half the time, but a percentage of the time, the person doesn't even live where the tax people think they live. And that's a whole thing. Do you just want to let that stuff go? There's so much that you can just say, forget that or? Well, we have such a big market. So there's billions of acres of land available in the United States. Yeah. I couldn't, 
you know, pick the more boring niche. Like you're not going on the HGTV or DIY network and say, flip this land. The before <laughs> pictures draw land. The after pictures draw land. So <laughs> didn't I do a know, great job? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if you go to a RIA meeting, right, there's a real estate investment association meeting. There's a hundred people in the room. 99 of them will be flippers, landlords, and wholesalers. You and I will be the only land people there. So, so essentially, you know, for every, let's just say every hundred offers that I make, I'll get a three to 5% response rate. But of those three to five that respond, I'll probably close on 1%. Oh, wow. So it's a, it's a lot. You're sending out a lot of stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it depends on, on you and your budget. I mean, yeah. you, me, a million people could be in this niche. We'll all run out of money before we run out of deal flow. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Interesting. And then have you, have you experimented with different types of like what actually goes into this first outreach? Is it all by mail? Is that how you're reaching everybody? Well, it could be by mail, certainly, but there's going to be a community of people that are already doing this. So I could buy wholesale, right? So for example, you've already done your mailings and you've done the due diligence. You bought it 25, 30 cents a dollar. You flipped to me 50, 60 cents a dollar. You leave enough meat on the bone for me to sell at retail. I don't have to do a mailing. Yeah, right. Interesting. Did you have students, do you do coaching and stuff? Do you have students that you help to do this kind of thing? Yeah, my whole purpose in life is to help people get out of what I call solo economic dependency, which means that they're personally not working, they're not making any money. So think about anybody with a job, uh, freelancers. Um, you know, let's pick on people that solve their money problems, but not their time problems. Doctors, lawyers, dentists right? The dentist's hands are in the patient's mouth. The dentist isn't generating any revenue. Right. So I believe that once people's passive income exceeds their fixed expenses, they can move up Maslow's hierarchy of needs into self-actualization and really do what they really feel called to do their greatest purpose in life. Yeah. And is that yours? I mean, do, are you doing other like, oh my God, kind of like fulfilling all your checking all your boxes now that you've got this nice passive income stream yeah I mean, my oldest is uh going to college next year or my youngest is going to, i should say my two my two are in college now my youngest graduates high school next year so i've been practicing like this summer i went to bali i went to saigon um but I'm, my plan is to travel when she's in college i'm gonna, I'm gonna start traveling around the world I maybe do three month chunks you know yeah. come back three months, come back. My parents are, thank God, are still here. So, um, you know, I certainly don't want to just be traveling all the time and missing out on my family and friends. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a line there, but that sounds fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So um, tell us about the book. What, how is the, have you written another book already? I apologize. Yeah. I so I, I have a book called Dirt Rich, which explains yeah, that's exactly right. what yeah. I talked about with you and yeah. tells my story. But then I wrote Dirt Rich too. The plot thickens. <laughs> how to scale your land so business. Good. <laughs> Thank you. And um, and so I'm very proud of that. That book right now is almost done. Almost done. Yeah. So I mean, by the time done. we air, it'll be finished. Like, it'll be, it'll be, be able to buy it. I mean, it. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going through the final touches now. Yeah. Fun. Awesome. So that, and that, how does that differ? So Dirt Rich, Dirt Rich was explaining the kind of things in a longer way that you just told us, right? Basically. Right, right. So the Dirt Rich is more high level. Dirt Rich too is I'm in the land business, but I want to get myself out of the business. I want to become the CEO. 
So the philosophy is we can always make more money. We can't get more time. Right. Well, how do I get myself out of the land business and really create this machine so I can work when I want, where I want, and with whom I want and have total freedom? Awesome. Oh, that sounds great. I definitely have to get that one. Excellent. So what's the, what was the most challenging part when you first started this? Was it just like, Hey, that was easy. Or did you, was there some, a lot of like learning curve? Oh, there's a ton of learning curve. I mean, I remember thinking that I was doing really well and I was doing really well, you know, financially. And I was enjoying what I was doing. But if you looked at my day, you'd be like, this is not a business. You bought, you, you really built another job for yourself. Yeah. So I go to a coffee with my mentor, Ori, and this guy sold his company for $360 million uh, to, you know, experience. And so I'm having coffee with him. I'm kind of like, you know, humble bragging. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing this and doing that. And I, I, I'm like, you know, somehow I, I slipped out like I'm an entrepreneur or something. And he's like, stop. He's like, don't insult me. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're so called business. He's like, what happens with, you know, you got for to die or become disabled. Like what happens to your family? And I'm like, he's like, who's doing the deals? Who's doing the due diligence? Who's doing, he's like, you're doing everything. It's like, you don't have a business. You got a nice job. It feels like you're making your own hours. It's just better than what you were doing before. Right. So then he's like, this is what you got to do. And I started, you know, scaling and systematically getting out of it yeah. and, uh, and creating the systems, the processes and the software and um, actually created a real business. Yeah. And that is a challenge, right? I mean, that's what a lot of entrepreneurs are doing. They're just trading one shitty boss for the, for the next, you know, like that. I used to say that about myself, you know, I work yeah, for myself. My absolutely. boss is a bitch. <laughs> that's what I used to say. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, yeah, it's true. And uh, that's not freedom. So right. exactly. Yeah. You don't, you yeah. want to be a slave to your so-called business. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, it's good that you kept in touch with him, right? <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, he still helps me today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And that is a process of like you were talking about, you've got your outsourcing stuff to the Philippines, you've got some um, automation. When you- I yeah, know it's, it's all, it's 90% of this is automated. I work about 30 minutes a week in Frontier Properties. And so that 30 minutes is having a, a call with my acquisition manager. How many offers went out? How many deals are pending? How many deals are closed? How is the team doing? How can I support you? And then sometimes if I'm, you know, taking a long walk, I'm like, oh, can we, can we do this? And I'll box him and I'll ruin his day because everything's working. And now I want to break something. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's when you get good ideas though, right? When you're walking or doing something else and you're like, oh, yeah, oh, oh, can oh, we do, do this? this? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And awesome. I think that's really what is the beautiful thing about being the CEO is having that time to do the hard work of thinking. Whereas if you're just working, 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 you don't, you're don't, you've lost your competitive advantage. It's right. the person who can think the longest and the deepest about that problem or solving it or looking at it differently that has the advantage. Yeah. It's so interesting. Cause yesterday we were actually Saturday, we went to a barbecue and or Sunday, I don't know. And uh, a, a, my boyfriend's, whatever he is, brother-in-law used to work for Papa Gino's and he was saying how they just didn't see delivery coming. And I thought, how the hell could you not see delivery coming? I mean, that's yeah. so obvious. I said, who's eating pizza? People who are drinking beer, people who are watching the game. Who wants to go out and get a pizza? You want it to come to your house. I mean, that's so obvious, but they were so in the thick of it, you know, like we got the best ovens and we got the best this and that. They're like, go take a walk, step back and like, think like obviously delivery's coming, right? It's yeah. Just 
Absolutely. And you see, I mean, you know, the, what's one of the craziest examples is Kodak. Yeah. They created the digital camera and they just put their nose up to do it. Who would want this? Who would want this? Well, everyone wanted it. Exactly. Exactly. Who wouldn't want it? Come on. You know, like, I know there's a million examples like that. And in retrospect, like obviously Netflix is going to take over Blockbuster, right? I mean, but Blockbuster didn't see it. Why not? I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. You got to be out there. You got to be at the high level. You got to be able to just think and like imagine things through and uh, how could this possibly be better? And yeah. And then you got to bring on board the people who are actually doing the day-to-day who are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's when you, when you do become somewhat successful, that's when you become paranoid <laughs> and you start thinking, okay, you know, how does this get disrupted? And I love that Jeff Bezos question. If everything's going to change, what's not going to change? And so you start thinking, okay, well. People uh, well, still know, need we, to buy stuff. That's not going to change. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, for, for me, like I always think, okay, well, in the land business, people always want a good deal and they'll always want a real asset. Yeah. But if that ever changes, how would I pivot? Yeah. So how would you pivot? Well, I, I guess I would look at something what people would really want at that time yeah that, pivot know, that, had, a, that, had, a, that had, a, had a moat that had a you know something that's you know more defensible and um you know based on the experience i've had in the land business well i'd want something that had no physical physical inventory was a one-time sale had monthly recurring revenue and um had had good margins right yeah uh, no, no, you know, less competitive pressures. So yeah. I would just work back from that. I, I really think, you know, deeply about this. And I think, well, I think I have the best passive income model, but I think there's one that is might be even better. And that's insurance because insurance is a one-time sale. You get passive income every single month, but the problem with insurance is it's the, the margins may not be as great. It's a little more competitive but it's just an idea. You don't have to go out and buy anything. Yeah. Have some kind of like land insurance, right? You can come up with some yeah, kind of yeah, idea. Exactly. Like, you know, yeah, the only problem with insurance your land is, gets blown off and I mean, what could happen? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but, you know. You go to a party and everybody avoids you. That, that part sucks. <laughs> Not much you can do about that. Yeah. So when you are getting um, I'm just thinking about like the logistics, like thinking through the whole process. Are you getting like, when you're looking for people who are behind on their taxes, is, are you just buying lists and stuff like that? Or is there a, a place where you go to find that information or how are you? Yeah. I mean, you go to datatree.com and if you don't want to get a discount, shameless plug, datatree.com <laughs> forward slash the land geek, hey. you get a discount and you can get, you can get the lists um, from any County. And then what I would do is I would scrub that list. So if I've got all the real property in say this County in New Mexico, well, I would, I would scrub by use code. Let's say it's VL for vacant land. Now I've got an order of all the industrial property, the commercial property, the residential homes. Um, and now I'm just left with vacant land. Then I would do one more scrub. So I would want to search by, uh, or I would sort by assessor's parcel number or subdivision. So that way I'm not sending somebody with 40 acres the same offer as somebody with five acres. Right. Right. That 40 acre person will send me that glitter in the mail. I don't want that. 
so these people, are they, you're still buying it from the owner though. These are just people who have been threatened with foreclosure or threatened. Well, with I'm still it. buying it from the owner. That's going to be our, that's going to be our, our lowest hanging fruit. Once I've determined this is a good market, I'll mail everybody. I don't yeah. care. Okay. Yeah. All right. So these are, you've got the people who are behind on their tax taxes and the, t- the city at some point is going to take over their land, but they haven't yet. Right. Correct. Okay. Correct. Now, but it sounds like before you were doing auctions where they've already taken over, right? Yeah. So the, exactly. So the auction is for the county to collect the taxes at that point in time. Is that more messy? Yeah, it's definitely more messy. It's more competitive. You got a room full of people. It's a competitive auction. I want that property before it goes auction. Yeah, exactly. And also, is I think even legally or logistically, is there's like a re- reclamation thing, right? The people want to come back and yeah, it, it, depends, on, it depends on the county. It's not that rarely happens in raw land. Yeah, it's it's you know in in homes, it's very different, right? It's yeah. an emotional asset. Well, the, the homes, a lot of times, they're still there, right? They're That's still really there. messy. Yeah, I, yeah. I forget that. I think like ninety five percent of of tax liens get redeemed yeah. in houses. And you know the tax lien business is a great business, but it's it's run by hedge funds and private equity groups, and they're doing all types of financial engineering and fun stuff. Yeah, and I know there are people who teach how to get into that whole business and stuff like that, but I don't know. I just I actually know some people who do it, and it just feels a little messy to me. It's just a little too hands on, right? It's I mean, it's quite a job, and it's a, it's yeah. a due diligence game. And I mean, look, you can make sixteen to 40% on your money. If you, if you really dialed in, but I, I think it's, it's tough to do though. <laughs> and you're like, well, I'm making 300%. So I'm pretty happy if you're to a thousand, right? Yeah. I mean, exactly. So time value money, we, we, we average, you know, 800, 1200% return on our money on, on a terms yeah. deal, 300, 500% on a cash deal. Yeah. Awesome. Is there like in certain, some, I was saying that the stuff that I was looking at in, in Arizona, the, the prices are quite low. Is that, do you have like high price points or are most of, most of these, you know, fairly modest investments? Yeah. I mean, they could be higher. You know, we've done million dollar deals all the way up to, you know, $500 for a parcel. So yeah. it just depends. I mean, I'll tell you a story. Okay. So um, this is very early, early days. And I'm in Las Vegas, New Mexico. Have you ever heard of Las Vegas, New Mexico? I didn't know there's they a, had there's one. <laughs> university there. But I'm looking at land with my buddy. And we're driving around. And I'm telling you, Christine, this is so ugly. It looked like Chernobyl to me. And it, I could, we could buy these properties uh, over the counter for like 50 bucks. And they're like <laughs> an acre parcel. It was, because like they went to auction. Nobody even bought them. Nobody wanted them. <laughs> they were so bad. So my buddy's like, you know, for 50 bucks, I bet I can flip them for a hundred bucks and I'll buy, I'll buy them. You want to split with me? I'm like, dude, no. I'm like, you sell this. There's two things that are going to happen. You're going to get refunds and or lawsuits. So he's like, "Ah, I don't know. He's like, you know, so he tries it. He buys them all. I don't buy any. So the first week. How many are we talking about? There's a hundred of them. Oh my God. So first week, you you know, they're starting for like a thousand dollars. And, uh, and so he sends me an email about a sale. I email him back, refund. Another sale, I email him back, lawsuit. This goes on. He sells out. He makes like over 100 grand. And uh, I guess how many refunds? Uh-oh. 
zero, no lawsuits. So it was a $50,000 lesson I learned. I'm not the buyer. There's a pig for every barn. Right. That that's And that is so key, especially I feel like right now, because there's so much excitement between podcasts and, you know, just the media and everything. So much excitement about the idea of being a real estate investment investor that, you know, people are willing to say, yeah, what for a thousand bucks, 2000 bucks, I'll take this piece of land. I'll hold on to it someday. You know, something will be here, you know, not thinking that all the baby boomers are dying off and there's nobody left to buy stuff. <laughs> but, and it's fun. I mean, that's why I was like, I'm out in Arizona and I'm driving by all these for sale signs. I'm like, wow, this is beautiful. You got a beautiful view of this little Mesa thing. And, you know, I could put like a cabin here and make it like an Airbnb, you know, freestanding. Cause that's my thing. Like I'm an Airbnb geek, you know? And like, I could just put a little cabin here. It's like only an hour from the Grand Canyon, you know, like why, why not? You know? And, and I start looking, I'm like, Hmm, okay. Well, there's no water. And it's like, whatever it is, $200 a mile. I mean, a foot to, to drill a well, and you're going to have to drill a 300 foot well, or you can get water delivery. I'm like, Oh, wow. <laughs> or I can just tell people, things. yeah, no water, no running water, bring your own. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. But, you know, I'm not alone is what I'm saying. Like there's somebody else out there who's thinking, oh, you know, for 5,000 bucks or for a thousand bucks or for whatever, what the heck, right? Why not just buy it? And then. No, it's true. I mean, you know, look, there's a great Ted Turner quote, buy land is the only thing that lasts. And it's a great legacy investment. Think about it. Everything else in our lives will go away. I mean, even at some point styrofoam decomposes. That's the stuff last, like, <laughs> eventually <laughs> eventually but land will last forever so it's this great legacy investment yeah. and so people will just buy it like uh you know like like women like jewelry just like they just like the feeling of it yeah just collect their you know titles and stuff and right why not yeah well even you know things you there. might not think about like maybe someday they'll find you know oil or you know like mineral rights things like that that you don't necessarily think about so yeah exactly yeah, but you're right. You know, you're not the buyer. What other I'm like lessons buyer. have you kind of learned along the way? Uh, fear is a big <laughs> problem with newbies. So what happens is, dear listener, this will probably happen to you, <laughs> is if you start, you know, trying out the model and you'll get an accepted offer. And then, you know, what will happen? You will not, you'll stop mailing because you'll think to yourself, well, I'm not buying any more land until I sell this one. Oh. Well, there's a six to eight week lag time. So you don't want to be a chicken company with no chicken. Never stop mailing. Yeah, that's good. That's definitely good advice. Because that, I mean, that happens like in the real estate world as real estate agents, right? You've got this transaction. It's taking up all your time and you're not doing any other marketing. All your other clients are dead to you until you're done with this transaction. And then, well, guess what? Now you have two or three months with plenty of time to get, you know, because you're just not, you got to keep your pipeline, right? You got to keep that pipeline active. Exactly. Exactly. So if I were going to do, so, all right, first of all, what is your favorite part in the beginning? What was your favorite part about doing this? Well, I think for me in the beginning, I loved just the, the, just the whole process of it. Really. I'm a deal junkie. So I, I love the idea of getting a deal. Um, it really resonated with me. My dad was a wholesale grocer. And as a kid, I'd be in the grocery store and I'd be like, dad, can I have this pack of gum? He's like, dad, no, it's a dollar. 
I, I buy it for 85 cents. <laughs> and so like, I, I kind of grew up like everything's a deal. And so the land is everything's a deal. I'm buying everything on sale. The whole world's on sale to me. I right. really like that aspect. And then it's really fun to see the joy in people when they buy something new. And because you have such a big buyer pool, like if you got a job, you can afford this land. Right. And, to hear yeah, and the way you set it up is perfect. Yeah. I mean, and so, I mean, and just to, to see how people are creative, like I had a guy call me once he's like, um, you know, do you know what's out there? I'm like, I have no idea. He's like, there's rattlesnakes out there. <laughs> he's like, and I hunt rattlesnakes. And sure enough, he buys a five acre parcel and his friend calls the next day. He's like, I'm going to join Billy. You got the joining five acre parcel available. And they go out there, they hunt rattlesnakes. Oh my God. I mean, so for me, that was like a, a, a ton of fun. Just hearing how people were creatively going to use a property or, you know, the things they were going to do. There was one guy that every July 4th, he would get like 50 buddies. He, had, he owned 40 acres in Nevada and they would just go out there and they would camp out. And he's like, Mark, you've never experienced dark like this. There's no lights. It's like, it's true dark. And, um, and so hearing these, these stories of people getting back to nature and the way that they would um, use it was like really cool. And then just kind of being a geek, um, I really love the building the systems and the processes and getting to the point where it was just a machine. Yeah. So um, that, that part really resonated with me. In the beginning, did you go and look at a lot of this stuff? Was that part of what you were kind of like exploring neighborhoods and stuff? Yeah, until Ori was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and then I'm like, due diligence is like, no, not, not a good use of your time. So <laughs> now I was like, it's like for 50 bucks, I have a local go out there, you know, and take pictures, shoot video about my property checklist. I don't need to go out there. Well, maybe when you get like, maybe when you get, when your kids are all in college, you might say, yeah, you know what? I want to start doing that again. Maybe I'm going to go bring no, my tent. I, I don't love looking at land. <laughs> Once you get out there, all looks the same. Yeah. No. <laughs> cool. What are you most looking forward to in the next, you know, like couple of years? Is it most of your travel stuff? I, I think for me, I, I really want to help more people and make a bigger impact. And, um, you know, I love, I love buying and selling raw land. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it really helps a few people. But, yeah. you know, when someone calls me and says, Mark, this business changed my life. That to me is the most gratifying thing I've ever, ever done professionally. So I think to, to help people, you know, replace their income or retire their spouse so they can spend more time with their family. Uh, I just, at the end of the day, I just want to be a good ancestor and, and help as many people as I can. That's beautiful. Fantastic. Awesome. So before we get into like what somebody should do this afternoon so they could start heading in this really awesome direction, is there anything that you wish I would have asked you that I, we haven't touched on yet? No, I, I, I think, uh, you've been very thorough. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Oh, thank you. Well, this is actually year four for this podcast. So I have a little bit of experience with interviewing people in it, but I, you know, there's always, you can always do better. So just always looking for like, well, oh, what's that one thing, you know, but okay. So let's say Mark, somebody's listening to this and they're like totally fired up and they're like, oh my God, I want this. I want to do this thing. It sounds like awesome to me. I really want to get into it. What's like the first 
piece of advice or one really great either like checklist or advice or whatever you think they should have? I, I think they should educate themselves. And I think the best way to learn anything is by doing it. So I have a free course, how to double your money, 30 days or less. I think that's a great place to start. So if they go to the landgeek.com forward slash quick deals, the landgeek.com forward slash quick deals, they can start learning this, doing it, making money. And if it resonates with them, they'll go into it deeper. If it doesn't, they'll go into house hacking or Airbnb <laughs> or ATM investing. doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. There's such a thing as like website flipping, apparently, you know, like website some people, flipping. Yeah, yeah. They can do some flip some websites. Hey, whatever. Yeah. yeah. That's perfect. That's excellent advice. And I'm going to do it because I, I want to learn about this kind of stuff and it just sounds fun. And, you know, I'm going to do what you did. I'm going to like, in the beginning, I'm going to drive around I'm going to look at the land and <laughs> make it a vacation. Right. I'm going to like, Oh, I got to go to Arizona. It's a write off. And yeah, so there, look there you go. Right off. <laughs> while I'm here. Oh, maybe I'll just do a little slight thing. Just a little bit while I'm here and so say just a few days in a spa. That's all. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> awesome. Excellent. And so now the, the both books, what's the best way to get is it just Amazon or should they go on your website? What's the best way to get your books? I think the best way is probably on the website, um, the landgeek.com forward slash dirt rich, but it's on Amazon as well. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, dirt rich too, when it comes out, will be on the website as well. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. yeah Super I don't, duper. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to give Amazon their cut. Come yeah. on. <laughs> I know I got like, I got a check for like nine cents. Like they just said, oh, look at this deposit, nine cents. Maybe I sold the book or maybe I sold 10 books. I have no idea, but this nine cents, you know, like, okay, great. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> They're taken and they take a big piece. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to think if there's like any like big pieces, like big knowledge gaps that I feel like I need before I go take the course. Um. I think you're good. I think you've discovered everything. You really like, you got this down to a science. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, I, I'm, I, I try. I mean, I've been doing it a long time. <laughs> well, but I mean, I especially like, because you know that some people would have got stuck in the weeds, that they would still be doing all the day-to-day -day stuff. And, you know, cause you have Ari, you're just like, Hey, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm not, oh, what do you mean? I'm not supposed to be doing every single thing myself. Oh, what do you mean? I got it right. You're just thinking about the much bigger, smarter, more true entrepreneurial picture. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And because that's, yeah, a, yeah. Well, I was just going to say that's worth talking about for just a second because people think that because they don't have a traditional boss, that that makes them an entrepreneur, but you just work for yourself. It's not the same thing. Right? It's There's, not the same thing. It's not the same thing because no, no. no one is making money if you're not doing the work. So, Yeah, I mean, think about Steve Jobs, right? When Steve Jobs died, Apple did not crumble at all. If anything, they've flourished, right? Yep, so exactly. It, it'll be interesting. I mean, God forbid, if Elon Musk dies, what will happen to Tesla? So it's like, the true- No, their stock is going to go right- <laughs> Well, I thought the same thing with Apple. So these visionary CEOs, but if they're building something bigger than themselves. Yeah. And if they're doing it well, those companies flourish without them. Yeah. And so that's really what an entrepreneur does. They build something bigger than themselves. It just operates well without them. Your, your values, your culture lives beyond you. And so that's, that's what I you know, aspire to keep building as well. 
Are your so kids involved in this at all? Are they interested in this? You, you think they would be, but they're too young. So I'm, I'm excited for them to get their first bad job. And they're like, dad, okay, well, what, what do you, you do again? What do you do again, dad? <laughs> what do you do? Yeah. So they're, they're not that interested. Am I, they, they have their own interests. Yeah. For now. For now. <laughs> awesome. But don't, don't wait, wait till they, they get a little taste of social economic dependency. Then they're going to be excited. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Once they've had their first like horrible, you know, whatever, sweaty, yucky, you know, stressful kind of job where they're afraid they're going to get fired. They'll be like, hmm, gee, dad doesn't seem to be going through this every day. <laughs> Just maybe he does know something. Yeah. And I was very lucky. I mean, as a dad, because I worked from home, I was able to spend so much time with them. Now the jury's still out, whether that, that was a good or bad thing, but <laughs> selfishly for me it was amazing and you know all these other dads be coming home six you know o'clock at night they'd be tired they'd dinner read their kids bedtime story go to bed and do the whole thing over again yeah i mean monday and saturday are the same day for me right exactly well your kids aren't in jail right so they're probably you probably did okay oh yeah no they're not in jail not <laughs> yeah awesome mark i love talking with you thank you so much for being here and for sharing your land geekiness with us so thelandgeek.com, check it out. Take the course, get dirt rich. Just let Mark like put his stuff, put his knowledge into your head and see what it does for you. Watch how your life changes, right? Thanks, Christine. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really important, I think, to, to solve not just your money problems, but your money and time problems. Yeah, and at exactly. the end of the day, we could always make more money. We can't get more time. Exactly. So wise. Awesome. Thank you. And- Listeners, make sure you're here next week. Who knows what we're going to be talking about, but I know it's going to be cool and you're going to love it. And thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, I know you got some value from Mark and I bet you know 10 other people who could get value as well. So be sure to share this episode with them. And have a good week. <laughs>